God is in the house. Mark chapter number 2, look with me in verse number 1. Mark chapter 2 and verse number 1, if you're there, say amen. amen. The Bible said again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. Straightway many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. They come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. When they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, I've always been amazed by this. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. I don't know what kind of friends that is, but I want some of them. That's a good group of men right there. Verse 6. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there. You know, they're always around too. And reasoning in their hearts, why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. There's been so many messages preached from this text, and I I have been one of them. I have preached and preached and preached uh, from this text, but I have never dealt with the place. I've always preached on the miracle. I've even preached on the Pharisees, and of course, I've preached on the Master. I've preached on the faith of those men. I've preached on the condition of that palsy man, the lame man, but I have never preached on the place. God has shown me a few things. I want to try to help you, if I could, from verse number one. The Bible said it was noise. He was in the house. So if God will help me for a little while, and I don't want to preach on when God is in the house. When God is in the house. Please pray with me and pray for me tonight. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for all that you've already done here tonight. Lord, thank you for the good spirit uh, that we feel, I feel tonight. Lord, I thank you, uh, God, for the good singing that we've already heard. Lord, thank you for Sister Leah. And uh, Brother Bob, God, thank Brother Chris playing and helping and singing. Lord, I thank you for our church. Thank you for those who are here tonight. Now, Lord, I'm coming to you, and I need your help one more time. Uh, Lord, you helped us this morning, but God, this is a new hour. This is a new service. And Lord, there's new hearts and new needs that are in this building tonight. So God, please give me power. God, give me unction to preach your blessed word. Lord, I cannot preach on my own, and Lord, I do not want to try it. So, Lord, please, one more time, give me that unction, Lord, that power of the the Holy Ghost, Lord, one more time to stand and preach the blessed Word of God. Speak to the hearts as only you can. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name and for His lovely sake, and all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen and Amen. You may be seated quickly, if I could tonight, by 
way of introduction, it is here in our text where we find without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has made His way into a particular place. Can I say it is here in our text that this place is called Capernaum. And we find that this place is approximately... At 16.5 miles from Galilee where Jesus is found in most of Mark chapter number 1. In Mark chapter number 1, we won't read it all for sake of time, but you'll, you can go back and read that Jesus has spent most of his time here in a place called Galilee. I think it's safe to assume that this journey up from Galilee to Capernaum has been one that has probably taken what I would would think to be a slight toll on these newly found uh, uh, disciples. Uh, the Bible lets us know in Mark chapter number one, they've left their lives on the seashores of Galilee. They have left uh, uh, what they knew. They've left their occupations. They have left their family and friends. They have left it all to serve and surrender to this man called uh, Jesus Christ. May I say that in chapter number one, you'll find Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John were not traveling evangelists and what they had witnessed just in the past few days of their lives were probably enough I would say to wear them out it wasn't as simple as hopping in the truck hitting the start button dropping her in gear and taking off but they either had to ride uh, uh, mules or camels or something of that sort or they had to do it the old fashioned way and walk and here they've made a 16 and a half mile journey uh, from Mark chapter 1 to Mark chapter 2 from Galilee to this city called uh, Capernaum. May I say they go following Jesus as he's made his way into this place and it is here in this particular place in this house that uh, we find that Jesus makes his way not for the first time but notice what the Bible said. Look with me again in verse number 1. What's the first two words say? And and again he entered into Capernaum after some days and it was noise that he was in the house after all the years that I've been preaching I'm closing in on a decade of preaching the word of God, hallelujah and it's still just it's better today than it was then, I can tell you that to be, I'm honest with you, I jump more than I ever have and all my years of trying to study this thing, dissect the word of God preach it and make applications I've never noticed those first two words and again he entered and the Lord paused me for several weeks that's probably been a month I have been looking at this scratching my head saying alright Lord you're showing me something but what is it has God ever left you on edge you see just keep you coming back to something that's where I've been and so I've read it over and over and again and again and again he entered into Capernaum and again what's the significance of that well may I say once again Jesus it is here that he begins to draw the interest of the multitudes as only he can. Can I say that many begin to spread the word that Jesus was in the house. That's what the Bible said. The Bible said it was 
acknowledge that he was in the house. And, and so we find that I believe this house was filled by folks who stood close by to the Savior, yet they knew him not. Would you agree? I can show you all throughout the Bible that the multitudes that followed him were the same ones crying at Gabbatha, at the whipping post, at the judgment hall, at the, at the garrison of, of, of Pilate. They were the same ones crying, crucify, crucify. Hey, a lot of people still to this day want to hang around and follow the name of Jesus just to see the miracles and to see the ministry and to see the makeup of what's going on. But how many of y'all believe we are living in the last days? I firmly believe that. That's not just another statement. You've got to have your head buried in the sand if you do not believe that at any moment the trump of God should could sound and the voice of the archangel and the dead in Christ shall rise first and then we, we which are alive and remain shall be called up to meet them in the air and in the clouds and uh, so shall we ever be with the Lord. I really believe we're living in those last days and here's what we find in the last days the Bible lets us know there'd be a great falling away. Uh, the Bible lets us know there'd be another gospel. The Bible lets us know there'd be another Jesus and, and the Jesus that most are seeking uh, is fixing to hit theaters if it's not all right, uh, already. I can't remember the title of the movie uh, but it's a hippie looking uh, out, a feminine looking fella and uh, peace, love and prosperity and cotton candy. Uh, but I'm here to tell you something. Jesus is not a hippie. Uh, Jesus is not a sinner man. Jesus ain't smoking pot. Somebody help me. Uh, Jesus ain't holding hands with all the sinners and uh, listen you say well that's where they found him. Sure did. Uh, but you got to understand something. Jesus went to the sinner to reach the sinner not for the sinner to pull him down to their level. We're serving a God. Or I'm not going to say we're serving a God. The world is serving a God. They have attached the name Jesus to and they're making noise about this Jesus. But I'm here to tell you I firmly believe that many have made Jesus out to be something other than the Son of God according to this Bible. And it's here that the multitude they're gathered in they want to see the excitement they want to see the miracles just like they seen him do in Mark chapter number 1 where uh, he would perform many miracles and so as the story goes on uh, uh, we understand that the minds of everyone there that day were completely blown what happens well Jesus makes his way to this house and the Bible said these people packed it out there's not even standing room but the Bible said you could not even get through the door somebody help me tonight couldn't even walk in the place and uh, so the Bible said there's a sick man and uh, these four men had bore him and uh, carried him to the house where it's noise that Jesus is there and the Bible said that when they could not get in what they do they they found them some way up to the roof they uh, opened up that roof uncovered that roof they lowered that man down and sure enough it was their faith according to the word of God uh, that Jesus healed that man and allowed him to go out of there a completely different man than he came. May I say that at the end of what we read this afternoon, the Bible said that they were amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw it on this fashion. Now hear me tonight. I know I'm preaching fast, but listen fast. Can I say that's the normal response of the feeble man when God begins to work. I don't know how many of y'all just sit back and watch God work and say, well, that almost 
most impressed me. How many of y'all been in a hospital and God heard your prayer? You don't just half heartedly, half hazardly thank Him for it. You're blown away. That God would, how many of y'all seen God answer big prayers and little prayers? How many of y'all seen God take that man that nobody said would ever get born again and turn him inside out, change his heart, change his life, save him, maybe even call him to preach? What about those ones out there said they'll never come off drugs? They'll never quit drinking alcohol. They'll never quit fornicating and sleeping around. And sure enough, the God of heaven reaches down to the depths of their soul, starts squeezing on their heart. And next thing you know, they're under conviction. They find out what it is to be saved. And they find out what it is to be converted. And they're sitting on the front row on Sunday morning, Sunday night. That's just like God tonight. He's good at taking an impossible situation and making it possible. He's still opening up red seas. He's still making lame men walk. He's still making blind eyes see. I know that I'm looking at people and maybe God didn't physically make you see. But can I say spiritually, anybody that's been saved by the grace of God, the Lord Jesus Christ performed a miracle when He came by your way and He opened your blinded eyes and He made you see. Did you know you could not understand the things of God? The Bible said they were foreign to you. You could not comprehend the Word of God. You could not comprehend the the Spirit of God. You didn't know how to get along with the people of God. But good day, good day, good day when the fountain turned on in your life and God opened your eyes, set the captive free, birthed you into His family, baptized you to His body, put your name, the Lamb's book of life. I'm telling you, God's still doing what He's always done. We ain't serving no layout of seeing God. We are in the layout of seeing age, but our God is not a layout of seeing God. And so I want to remind you, this is a good place. In our text, this is God's place. This is a place you ought to be. It's a place for the broken heart. It's a place for the lame man. This fellow couldn't walk. It's a place. God, I'm, out, I'm having a good time preaching tonight. You say, why? Because I'm preaching about a place he is. And even though I was not here in Mark chapter number two, I unapologetically, non-arrogantly, humbly say, we too have a place. I understand the church is not the building. I understand the church is the body. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. But you better hear me. There's still something special of having four walls put up on the side of the road. We got the nicest facilities. We ain't got the best parking lot. We sure don't have enough land. We got all kinds of water problems. Uh, my God, we you name it, we can probably uh, uh, say we've got that issue. But glory to God, ain't it good on a Sunday night uh, to gather together with your brothers and your sisters? Uh, uh, to open up the songbook. Uh, hey, somebody ought to help me uh, and sing to a God that's alive, uh, a God that's well, a God that's on the throne, a God that's in control, a God that's still saving a God that still cares I'm telling you we've got a place where God is we got a place where he is tonight do not take this for granted we ain't in here with the lights out fog machine I've been saying this because it, it sounds like cat in a hat with fog machines and skinny jeans help me somebody We've not had to drop our standard. Ain't you glad? Hey, I'm just having good. I got liberty. Ain't you glad your preacher don't look like a queer? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Amen. I, I'm not a pop. 
I've never been politically correct. I'm not starting now. I'm glad, hallelujah, by the grace of God, I still got camouflage at the house and muddy boots and shotgun shells and backer cans. Somebody say amen. I'm not going that way tonight. I'm telling you, I'm just an old sinner saved by the grace of God. Been clothed in His righteousness. I'm a nothing and a nobody on the outside, but I'm saved on the inside. I've been called and commissioned to preach the blessed word of God. I'm excited to do what I do. This is not a burden. This is not a hindrance to my life. I thoroughly, probably too much, enjoy preaching. That's why you get held captive an hour every week, every service of your life. Because I enjoy it. And God wants you to enjoy it the same way. And it all starts with this particular place. God, when God is in the house. This is a place, my friend, that Jesus, Brother Sean, went to on purpose. I wish y'all quit looking like Presbyterians and quit acting like you just took mass at Catholic Church. Amen. God chose this little house on... I'm about to punch somebody. God chose this little place on purpose. He did not accidentally show up to this house, but he looked out and said, that little house is where I'm headed. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad he's handpicked. He's set us on the side of his routine and his route. And every single week, the God of heaven stops by right here tonight. That ought to stir somebody. That'd make a dead Catholic shout. Amen. I'm glad to be in a place where God is. It's a place where he went on purpose. Now this is really, it's probably fixing to get dangerous. Not only did he go there on purpose, Brother Jeff Sheets, he went there for a purpose. He doesn't know there's going to be a lame man all jacked up that couldn't help himself. He's been laying in that bed all his life and nobody could help him and nobody could change him. He couldn't help himself. He couldn't change himself. That's why he went there on purpose for a purpose was to help those that did not have any help. Was to give hope to those who did not have any hope. Was to make a man walk that could never walk on his own. Is there anybody know something about God going to a place on purpose for a purpose where he changed your direction? He lifted you up. He made a difference in your life nobody else could make. He went there on purpose for a purpose. Man, I'm enjoying it tonight. The Bible says that there were uh, there were many there that day insomuch that there was no room to receive them no not so much as about the door now listen in other words this place is packed out with uh, men and women boys and girls who were there to see what the next miracle would be uh, by this man called Jesus can I say when I begin to read this and study this uh, and look at this portion of scripture my attention is drawn to the place more than it was to people it's, it, it, it's something to grab your attention when a place is 
it's packed out. But can I say tonight, if this place was running out the seams, if we had them stacked in chairs and the floor was full and the, and the loft up there was full and they were sitting outside in the parking lot having to listen through the metal, I mean, we would probably get caught up on the people. But can I say people's never made a difference in a lame man's life? There's only one thing that's important. There's two things that's important. Number one is the person called Jesus. And secondly is the place he decided to go to on purpose. I believe there's great significance on this place, on this house. As far as I'm concerned, out of all the people there that day, and it was a crowd. It's packed out, folks. Can't even get in the door. But out of all of them there that day, you know who's really the most important? Jesus. Can I say we could all gather together and we could have 500 more people join us? And if that's all we got, ain't nothing going to get accomplished. I feel so sorry for people who get up Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. They come in late from work. They they travel and they and they and they rush and try to uh, scurry around and get the kids together and and they run down to a place where God's not been in 150 years. Uh, uh, can I say they may have a, a beautiful auditorium? I'm not against that. They may have lots of money in the bank. I wish we did. Uh, they may have all kinds of, of people sitting in the pew and they may have all these things. But my friend, if Jesus does not show up, what good? Does any of that do? Aren't you glad to go to a place where he is? We might not have everything to offer you materially, but one thing I can I can rest assured in tonight is we don't come here by ourselves. Talking about a place where God is. I'm going somewhere. But I say in a church like this one, I have one desire, and that's for Jesus to be in the house. That is my goal. Your, Brother Josh, I fear your goal is to fill the pews. I can't fill them. Right. God called me to preach. He didn't call me to be a pew filler. Amen. The Bible says, except the Lord build a house, say that labor, labor in vain. I I can't do a blessed fire thing with the ones of God, let alone go get somebody else. Somebody say amen besides three of you. Amen. I can't help you. You can't help me. But isn't it amazing when God gets in the midst of us? How we get help from him. I'm telling you, it's all on him. Somebody said, Brother Josh, how do you how do you get up? How do you do that? How do you I don't do nothing but just say what he tells me to say? Amen. This ain't on me or on you, it's on him. Right. I remember I first started pastoring, I'd go to other churches, preach, you know, or whatever, or go to other meetings, and I would long for God to show up. In our church, like it appeared, you know, he wasn't theirs. And that ought to be our desire. We ought to we ought to desire to be in the presence of the Lord. But what I found out along the way was I was looking at everything and everybody but the main thing. And can I say tonight, it wasn't that God was any different there than He is here. It was simply that God was evident. He was present in those places. Can I say that ought to be our desire? That's why I, I, I pump you and prime you to prepare for church before you come to church. Most of the time, the preacher got to spend the first 25 minutes getting everybody's heart where they can even hear the preaching. And then the last 10 minutes, everybody gets a little dose. But if you come in prepared from start to finish, you can be fed and you can enjoy the choir. You can enjoy the congregation, but you've got to make preparations. And if God's in the house, I dare say that's the least we can do. How many of y'all, if, you got a, if we got a letter saying that uh, on Monday morning at your workplace that the President of the United States or the Governor or some big power, powerful figure 
was going to be there. How many of y'all would just brush that off and make zero preparation to meet or see or to greet someone? You know what most of us would do? We'd make sure we weren't late that day. We'd make sure that we wore something nice. We'd make sure that we had our, had our affairs in order and make sure that everything was just timely and squared away and that our minds and hearts and everything was prepared because we would want to leave a good impression on that somebody. Can I say above the president, above the providences, above the princes, the kings, the queens, and the rulers of this world, we meet with the thrice holy God every single week. It's not, listen, we ought not take it for granted. It's a miracle. I need somebody to Listen, it's a miracle that God would give us a time of day, let alone come to a certain place on purpose to meet with you and me. When God is in the house. Oh my, can I say that I'm glad to report to you that we are in a place that He comes to and that He is tonight. If you're not careful, you'll start looking at other places and other people instead of striving to be in His presence. You know why most people get burnt out and they get weary and they quit church? They weren't going to church for God. They weren't seeking the presence of God. They got focused on so and so. They got focused on the problems of the church. Quit focusing on the problems of the church. All churches have problems. If you leave this one because of problems, you go to the next one, guess what you're going to find? You leave this one because of a knothead, guess what you're going to find the next one? They're all the same. Why? Because we're imperfect people. Striving to serve a perfect God. You can't get your focus on people and problems. You've got to focus on His presence. And meeting with Him every time you walk through those doors to, this, to His house. We're living in a day and hour where everybody claims that God is in the house. But can I say when we look at scriptures, I can tell you everybody that's saying God's in the house ain't the God of the Bible. Amen. We're living in a day, an hour and a day and the Bible lets us know they'd be a great falling away. It didn't mean end of sin, but the Bible said in those last days there'd be seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Y'all ever read the King James Bible? Uh, it lets you know that there's going to be many false prophets going out into the way and they're going to lead many down the road of error and many will believe a lie and many will be left when the rapture takes place and many will receive the mark in the right hand of the forehead and they will fall under the leadership and submit their lives to the Antichrist many will do these things can I say we're seeing it I'm not saying everybody that's meeting right now there's meetings going on all over the world all over our country I'm not saying they're all fake phony and false some of them's really genuine I believe that but there's a whole bunch of them charismatic bunch they might as well go outside and dance in the yard naked I mean I'm being honest with you God ain't within 150 miles. But they still say Jesus. Well, how are we going to know for sure if God's in the house? First thing I'm going to say is this tonight. What do you need to look for and long for in order to know if God is in the house? Number one. First of all, I want you to see this. When God is in the house, you will find a house revisited. When God is truly in the house, you'll find a house revisited. Look at verse number one again. Notice that. Again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. Now, uh, may I say this? In order for Christ to uh, enter again into a place, guess what it means? He's been there before. Amen. Go with me to chapter number one. Let's look at something quickly. Look at verse 16. Chapter number 1, verse number 16. If you're there, say amen. amen. 
The Bible said now, as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net to the sea, for they were fishers. Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets, followed him. And when he had gone a little further, at thence he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship and uh, with hired servants and went after him. Verse 21. Notice this. And they went into Capernaum. And straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man of the unclean spirit and cried out, saying, Let us alone. There is more than one demon in this man. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him, uh, saying, Hold thy peace, come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him, and they were all amazed insomuch that they question among themselves saying what thing is this what new doctrine is this for with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits and they do obey him and immediately his fame uh oh spread all uh, abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee notice verse 29 and forwith when they were come out of the synagogue they entered into the house of Simon does anybody know who Simon is it's Peter Simon Peter Simon and Andrew, they entered, now notice this, they entered into the what? The house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother, this is his mother-in-law, Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever and they tell him of her and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and immediately the fever left her she ministered unto them and at even when the sun did set they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils and all the city was gathered together at the door and he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him so I want you to understand something when God is in the house uh, this will be a house revisited may I say Jesus not only revisits this city called Capernaum but I believe that he revisits this same particular house because it is the last house in Mark's gospel chapter number one that he was in when he went in and healed the mother-in-law of Simon Peter then what happened well he got famous according to the Bible and they start bringing all the sick people and all them crazy devils I'd say there's a whole lot of mother-in-laws got brought to to the house. The Bible said he cast out many devils. Somebody say amen. All them men said, my God, if he can heal, he can, he can help Peter's, uh, Simon Peter's mother-in-law go get mine. She's full of hell. <laughs> sure enough, she was. I ain't never found one It wasn't. Can I get a witness? Somebody. Hey, man, all mother-in-law's got a little devil in them. Somebody help me. And, uh, so what happens? Well, I believe, what do y'all think? I believe if we compare, how we write the line, percent, percent line, line, we compare scripture with scripture. And the last house that Jesus is in, in Capernaum, is Simon Peter's where his mother all lay sick and he healed her. And then all the mother-in-laws get brought down there. And he cast out the devils, and then he healed some other people. I believe the fathers had mental illness and you know heart disease and high blood pressure and things like that. 
Amen. And so I believe, Brother Caleb, it's the same house. He entered again and took the pearl. He went into the house. I personally think, now, I may be wrong. God will me out on that when I get to heaven. But it just makes sense to me that he go to the same house. What are you saying? Well, what I'm trying to tell you is we have a house this evening where God is. And can I firmly say to you, I know He's here. Why? Because I can look back, Brother Jeff. I mean, look around, folks. Hey, I can look back. I know God's with this church. Why? Because I remember the day Brother Sean walked an aisle, got born again. Hallelujah! I remember walking next door, and it's amazing we didn't get electrocuted, brother, when we got in that baptistry and baptized you in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost. I I remember, I remember Seth uh, coming in with hair down his back. Uh, I remember God changing him and healing him. He He's visited with us time and time and time again. That's why I'm so confident God's in this place. It's a place revisited. And I say either way, whether it's the same house or not, it's the same town. It is Capernaum. And Jesus revisits this place over and over and over. Can I say this? I believe that most of the people who were there that day were only there either out of pure curiosity or to offer their expert gift of criticism. You know when it's Jesus gets famous, there's, there's, there's a crowd of people that will always show up. Those who are there out of curiosity, those who are there out of criticism. Does that sound familiar to anybody? You know, there's people that's going to come here because they see and heard things God are doing and they're really, they're really desiring Him. But there's others that's coming here to just try to raise Cain, stir stuff up. Yeah. They're everywhere. Where Jesus is, I promise you, there's a bunch of critics. Yeah. There's a bunch of Pharisees and skeptics and troublemakers all throughout the Bible. Some of y'all have seen what God has done and you really want to see Him do it again and maybe even do it for you. Uh, can I say there's, 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 there's a crowd here. You're either curious tonight. When you're in a place where God is, you're either curious, you're craving, you're concerned, or you're a critic. That's it. Uh, Jesus attracts a, uh, uh, just a select few. He attracts the curious, the, the craving, those who really want God. The concern, maybe it's not them, but somebody else. You know what them four men are? They're type of this concern group. They're concerned. Now listen, what is true concern? It's often not about self. It's about others. And then you got those critics. Can I say it's a place revisited? Now, there will be others that come here who have seen God do things and they can't comprehend it, so they're going to criticize it. May I say in every place where God dwells uh, is compiled by the same three types of people. Those that are curious, I'm going to keep repeating it, those that criticize, but what about those who really care? That's the considerate folks, the concerned folks. That's the four gentlemen that said, hey, whatever we got to do, we've heard that this Jesus can heal you. We're getting you to him. Let me ask you something. When's the last time you really got a burden for somebody that, that maybe not physically, but spiritually, they're bound. They have no life. They can't get up. They can't help themselves. You know what a man sick of the palsy is? You know, look, look, you understand Brother Jonathan Hughes, we support him monthly. You understand he is sick of the palsy. That's what he's got. And he is actually one of the better cases of cerebral palsy. Most people with cerebral palsy, not only are they bound to a wheelchair, but they're, 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 they're usually reclined back, and they, so most of them can't speak, they can't talk, they have zero motion in their hands. I mean, I hate to sound mean or critical, but, but they're pretty much 
just existing. Right. This man had his second palsy. We do know he was bedfast. Yeah. Couldn't get out. Couldn't help him. You know what he is? He's bound. But isn't this just like God? One of the first messages I ever preached, God said this to me. The very thing, Brother Jeff, that kept that man bound. What was it? What kept him bound? It was his bed. That was his constriction. Would you agree? Yeah. He was confined to that bed. That was his stronghold. And when Jesus got done with him, the very thing that used to used to hold him, he's holding it. Yeah. He throws it on his back and walks yeah. up out of there. Hey, you why, why are you so sure that this is the place where God is? Well, I've done seen too many calls to get you. I've done yeah. seen too many marriages. Yes, sir. I've done yes. seen God make done my sin. Yes, I've been walking, death and hip. I've done seen God rescue too many out of hell. I've done seen God call much of my God. But Jeff said it. You've got this church and you call We got a bunch of babies, a bunch of preachers. And he said, Brother, I'll just tell you right now, if I end up pregnant until you get called to preach, I'll tear something up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame. I burn the place down. So. But it's a place where he visited. Y'all see that? Right? Sure is, man. He went back. It's good. Why, why, why is he talking that he's here? Well, because he's here this morning. Amen. It feels a whole lot like he's here again tonight. Yeah. And I'm about real confident that come Wednesday, about, I don't know, about 7.20. <laughs> when we hit that note, and I know, I know my name is there. I got a good feeling we're going to say, he's here again. We don't know it yet, but can I say there's another Chris and another Kayla? There's another couple out there that's a hundred miles an hour on their way to hell, but we're going to see God show up again and God save another couple again and God call another man again. Glory to God. He's done it a hundred times. He's going to do it again because God's in this place. It's a place where God is. My Lord, I'm glad we've got a place where he's at. Ain't you glad that God looks past the spectators and the skeptics and he still shows up for the ones who are sincere? There's spectators and skeptics, there always will be, but isn't it amazing that God don't do like some people? When they walk in the back door and they see so-and-so sitting there, they say, well, time to go home. I've heard this. Well, Brother Josh, I wouldn't go down there to that church, but you know what? So-and-so goes down there, and I can't stand them. I wonder if that's going to work out when you stand before God at the judgment seat. Ain't you glad God don't look down and say, knucklehead one, knucklehead two, liar number one, uh, sower discord number one, uh, bad this and bad that. I ain't going to shut Hey, ain't you glad he looks past the skeptics and the, ain't you look, he looks past those who are troublemakers and he looks past, he looks past all, you know what he sees? I've got a little flock, I've got a little, I've got a little sheepfold down there that really is sincere. I'm going to go back and go back and go back again for those who really care. My Lord, I, I'm glad. We all shout. Somebody all shout that he shows up. And he revisits us time after time. It's amazing tonight. Secondly, I'm moving on. I'm skipping a bunch. Believe it or not, I am. Uh, secondly, I want you to look. My goodness. 
When God is in a place, not only will you find a place revisited, you'll find a place reclaimed. You'll find a place reclaimed. This might be my favorite point. Maybe. Look with me in verse 2. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. Now notice this. And he preached the word unto them. Does everybody see that? Would you agree what we just read? You can't even walk in the door of this house. It's packed out. And Jesus starts preaching. In verse number 3 is when they bring the man sick of the palsy. If you like typology, this right here is one of the best types of the gospel being preached and the sinner being saved there is. It's immediately after the preaching that the sick man is brought to Christ. Verse number 3. They could not come nigh unto him because of the roof. So what did they do? They tore it up. Can I say they didn't have shingles of metal back then? You know what the roof was? Made of clay. Clay is a type and a picture of your flesh. The flesh had to be torn apart, broken, destroyed when he came in contact with Jesus. Jesus sold their faith. You know what it takes? Paul said, for by grace through are you saved. Takes great faith, repentance. That's what we see, all these types. There's people there, there's scribes there who can forgive sins, all these things. But I want you to notice something. Verse number 11, Jesus preaches. Here the sinner comes down the aisle. Does everybody see this type? The sinner comes down the aisle. He's sick. Jesus said, I didn't come for the whole. They don't need a physician. But I came for the sick is sin. Sick man's a sinner man. Jesus begins to preach. He comes and he's got to repent. He's got to destroy that old wicked flesh. Notice what happens in verse 11. I say unto thee, arise, take up thy bed, go thy way into the house. Now notice this, it's very important. Verse number 12, and immediately he arose. Ain't you glad salvation's instantaneously. He arose, took up the bed. Notice this, do not miss this. And went forth before them all. In so much that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw in this fashion. Is this the same house? Have they switched houses? Because at the beginning of the chapter, you couldn't even walk through the door. But now all of a sudden, there's enough room. Not only can this man walk, he's carrying a king size mattress on his back and ain't bumping into nobody. Amen. Did everybody see what Amen. preaching does? Yeah. yeah. It cleared the house out. Hello. You know why we're not busting out the seams? It's not because we're doing anything wrong. Because we're doing something right. Amen. This ain't 1930 where they are hungry for God and they run to an altar of repentance. We are in the last days. This did not catch God off guard. It does not mean we're a failure. In my opinion, and not even a complete full eight years, I think we're selling pretty good myself. I get to preach God's opening doors all over this country. And I can't tell you the churches I go in ain't half as spiritual as ours. Some of them's got devil with people, some of them got less. And I think, glory. God, I thank the Lord for my church. Right. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. But you know what's happening? Over eight years, some of you stretched your head and thought, boy, they went more than they came. You know why? It's Bible preaching those right. right. Amen. Yeah. But God's not merely concerned with the multitude clearing out 
as he is the sick of the palsy getting in. Right. I'm about to punch him in the old son. I said he's not nearly as concerned. In other words, he's not let down but the multitude exited the house. He's really encouraged that the man that was sick and helpless and hopeless made his way oh. into the house. We're looking at success in all the wrong ways. Right. So, well, we don't have what such and such has. And guess what? They don't got what we got. Amen. I'd rather have him. That's what this message yes, is. Sir. God being in the house. I'd rather he be in the house because I'm going to have 500 part of devils sitting here and take up big offerings every week. Amen. I'd rather have him. I'd rather have him. Yes, sir. So what is it? Well, it's a place where you visit. How do you know? It's a, it's a house of God. How do you know when God's in the house? It's a place where you visit. But then secondly, it's a place where you claim. What do you mean, preacher? Well, let me give you the definition of reclaim. Reclaim means to, to claim back or to demand to have returned, to call back from error, from, to call from wandering or transgression. It means to reduce. Listen now. You know what we've all been? If you've been saved, you've been reclaimed. What do you mean? Well, here's one definition of reclaim. It means to reduce from a wild to a tame or domestic state. It means to tame. Can, is there anybody here that's going to say amen right there? Amen. I know we're all still crazy, but we ain't near as crazy as we used to be. Amen. I got a buddy. He's a deer killing machine, son. I mean, he's a deer killer. I kill what I consider to be decent deer every year. I've been, God's been blessing me in the last four or five years, every year. Same tree, doing the same thing, same place, pow, boom, throw them in the bed of the truck, spit a little, and just, hallelujah, take pictures and just enjoy the day. But this fellow kills big deer. Like, it makes big deer look like not so big deer. Go home. You may not care, but this is really helping me. <laughs> Talking about being the definition of So, just a couple months ago, I texted him, we grew up there like brothers. Matter of fact, we were together more than we were not growing up, especially through middle school and high school. And, I, and I, he does some work on my vehicles, on the truck. He, you know, I, I drove a truck at least once a year, and he has fixed for me. And uh, I was down there in the and we got caught, and I said, man, I said, let me ask you something. I said, you ain't got to give me all your secrets, but we're close enough. You can help me out a little bit. I said, what is the best supplement to put out Specifically targeting antler growth. He said, You're not going to believe it. I said, Just tell me. I said, Man, I won't kill one for the next five years if I ain't killing like you killed that year. He's a 160, 170, 180. He scored 170 something this year, and it's a hoss day. I said, What is it, man? What's the best supplement? Here's what he said. Sometimes it's hard being a preacher because everything you hear, it goes straight to your soul and you start getting messages out of it. He said, to be honest with you, the most nutritious, best, it's proven. Look it up when you go home. He said, the best thing for a deer to mature and target specific antler, antler growth is this. It's simply land that has been reclaimed. He said, it's better than salt, corn. It's better than the bags that you buy with jewelry outdoors that says, if you pour this on the stump, a six pointer is going to lick it and turn it into a 230-inch deer within a year. <laughs> and and, and let, 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 let me read it back here. I've got it, I've got it written down exactly how he said it, so I don't tell you wrong. 
He said, you're not going to believe this, but the best protein for antler growth is clear cut, clear cut slash reclaimed land. It has more protein. Now I looked him up. I, I, I fact checked him. It has more protein than soybeans, clover, or anything that you can plant. It's hard to believe, I know. But it's the best, most nutritional thing out there for extreme growth. So let me ask you, what is clear-cut, reclaimed land? It's when a large portion of forest, or as we call the woods, is completely done away with. They, they scalp it, every tree, every bush, every thorn, every blade of grass, everything. They take it down to nothing. They take away every tree out of the same, at the same time and then re-sow it into a green pasture. And you know what happens over time? Then it begins to produce nutrients from that ground that it cannot get. After it has been cut down and reclaimed. Jesus, the Bible said, look at your Bible, and Jesus preached the what unto them? It's in verse 2. The what? The Word. The Word. I read my Bible right. The Word of God is quick. And it is powerful. And it is than any two-edged sword. What's the sword used for? You know what Jesus done? He cut everything down. And the world will look out there and say, what in the world's going on? There's nothing left. That man claims to be a vital preacher. He's running out more than he's bringing in. No. Oh, no. <laughs> no, here's what we're doing. We are actually getting it prepared for replant reclamation for more nutrients and growth to be provided. Listen, that's what God that's what he done for you and me tonight. That's right, man. That word of God will clear cut. Sure will. Yeah. It cuts going in. It cuts coming out. It don't always feel good. Listen, I said this. I'm ready to believe it. Give me a preacher that never steps on my toes, and I will give you a plug in for it. Yeah. Right. If I never bother you, I'm not doing my job. Right. You listen? Yes, man. I wouldn't. I would give you a red penny for a feather that did not open that Bible every now and then and say something that just stepped on my little pants. Wouldn't do it. Why? Because if nothing ever hurts or cuts or catches you off guard or halfway offends you or bothers you, guess what's not being preached? You don't know why you struggle to read your Bible so much? Because it'll cut you. Yes. But what is the process? Of reclamation, first it must be clear of that. Right. How do you know you're in a place where God is? Well, not only do we say it's a place revisited, but it's a place reclaimed. In other words, listen to me, Stillwater. Listen right here. We've seen it a hundred times, Sister Annette. You've been with me, Brother Dave. Some of y'all have been with me since the old building, Brother Bob and some of you. Brother Chris and y'all. Step, thanks. I'm getting caught up stuttering and sound like an idiot. You know what we've seen? Fruit. Yeah. Back down the left. Yeah. Up, here comes some more fruit. Wham! Clear cut. But you know what happens every time? God clearly cuts his thing. By the way, he's doing the cutting. I'm not. He's doing it with his word. Right. And then he comes in and he sows. Can I say? 
this is truth now. I need y'all to help me right here. I really believe this. When they walked in the doors, they walked into a better pasture, Sister Annette, than you did eight years ago. Right. Yes, sir. Would you agree? Church is better. It's better. Glory to God. I never talk about them Holy Ghost and goose bugs. You can jump a bear bike off mine right now. I'm serious. It's crawling all over me because I know when I'm preaching dry, I feel it in my soul. It's the Word of God. Listen, Brother Chris, I'm glad y'all came in when you did. I hate to break the bad news, but the bits came into a better, clear cut, reclaimed pasture than you got. But it took some clear cut, and you was even part of that. Idiot. <laughs> what? Hey, hate to be a bad bad news, but it's not really bad news. Guess what's coming? I think we've had a look at it already since the past year. God's mad at us. No, he's not. He's making this place a better habitation for growth. My you know what? I can understand, and I apologize to tell you, with every clear cut, my heart has broken. I'm the opposite. Every one of them. I can also tell you, each clear cut season, when I come out of that thing, I've been a better pastor than I was before. Yeah. Yeah, I've learned some things. And I know y'all think that. If he's done it all learning, I hate to see him again. You're right, you would. You wouldn't be here. Amen. You wouldn't be here. I'm a full blown idiot. I don't know why anybody can't church. Feel no. But I'm better than what? Nutrients, help. You know, Brother Dax, man of God, been preaching however long, 27 years. If he would have walked in this place eight years ago, he would have walked in and walked back out. You know what he'd say? Not that the doctrine was wrong, or he'd just say, young preacher, that was really green. I still did a whole lot of learning. Hadn't been too much. And I could not have been the pastor to that man at that time. Sure. But God allowed me. Oh, yes. To go through some cutting times. And they hurt like hell. Sure. They hurt. I'm telling you, Brother Jeff, there's been times that I'm telling you, I can't even describe mine, the frame of mind, my heart, the condition of my demeanor, my spirit, my attitude in those times because everything I seen I thought was good got me down. But God didn't just stop with the career. Guess what he done? He repainted. Saw the green pasture. Yeah. And guess what we're seeing? These men of God that's run all over the country, been preaching long and I've been alive, but my going down north all day. They tell me it is amazing when we walk in the spiritual level, the spiritual maturity of y'all's church after eight years is mind-boggling. Right. It's not my words, it's theirs. But it didn't come free. Right, man. Right. Lastly, I'm done. When God is in the house. Not only is there a place revisited and a place reclaimed, but thirdly, <coughs> excuse me. Thirdly, it's a place that's remodeled. Look at verse 3. Mark 2 3. And they come unto him, bringing one of the sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when he could not come, uh, when he could not come nigh unto the, him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was and when they had broken it up they let him down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay when Jesus saw their faith he said in the sick of the palsy son thy sins be forgiven thee how do we know we're in a place where God is well it's a place revisited it's a place reclaimed but it will be a place that has gotten plenty 
remodels. What do you mean? Well, can I say this? Before a place can be remodeled, we see in our text, it has to go through a demolition process. This is kind of the same thing as the clear cut, clear cut and reclaim process, but it's a tad different. In the process of demolition, can I say within this demolition process, we find number one, there has to be reproof and rebuke. Look at verse number four. And when they could, could not come nigh unto him for the press. Can I say this is a type and a picture of broken fellowship. They could not get to Jesus. Why? Because of the crowd, because of the people, because of the issues, because of this and that and the other. It's a type and a picture of somebody who has had to receive reprove and rebuke. What does sin do? It, it don't separate you in sonship, but it does break fellowship. You know what you can't do? The Bible said those who have iniquity in the heart when they pray, the Lord will not. In other words, they can't get to Him. But where, where God is is a place of remodel. And in order to have a remodel, you've got to have some demolition. You know what I preach like a wild man every week of my life for? To break down some stuff. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all, you need broke down because there's things in your life that has separated you from being able to get to God. But how many of y'all's got a day that you walked in here and you were out of fellowship, but the preaching of God's word broke a hole through the roof. And whereas you could not get to Him before, now because of rebuking and reproving, God opens the way up and you can once again make access to Him. Talking about a remodel. Secondly, within this demolition process, we not only find a uh, rebuke and reproof, but secondly, we find repentance. I've already hit on a little bit, but in verse number four, the Bible said they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, does everybody see that? You know what the Bible says? God loves a broken and a contrite spirit. This is a type and a picture of repentance. Y'all remember the day where you came and broke up that roof, that clay, that flesh, that self, that, that pleasure, that self-desire, that self-want. Lord, you sat on the throne of your own heart. You were your own lords. Anybody remember the day that you tore all that mess up? You repented? How do you know God's in a place? There'll be remodels. Collectively, sometimes the church has to get down and say, I'm sorry, but... Most definitely individually. Right. It may not all be at one time, but at some time, all have been remodeled. Hello? Amen. I think I'm looking at people that God's tore your roof all to pieces. Amen. He's rebuked you and reproved you from His Word. And the byproduct of that is repentance. How do you know God somewhere? These are the things that will take place. And then lastly... Within this demolition process, we find restoration. Amen. Somebody slap your neighbor and say, that man can preach. Amen. Amen. Restoration. Look at verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, isn't that amazing? You know what happened when you, when you knelt before him? first word he called you was, Slap your neighbor and say, that's good. Y'all ain't doing it. Slap your neighbor and say, it's good. We're going to turn into a black church before things over. Restoration. 
Cause him, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Can I say this? We're about done. In order for this man to be delivered, he had to endure the process of demolition. That roof was most likely made of clay. Type of the flesh had to be demolished in order for his condition to be fixed. But God, listen to me. This is the key to the whole thing. It would have done them absolutely no good to tear the roof off that place and lower that man down if God was not in the house. Can I say God's in the house tonight? This is a good place to get fixed. There's going to be some demolition now. If you think we're just going to come in here and hold hands and go watch Jesus Superstar Hippie movie and, and all smoke joints and, and, and drink and live like hell and, and hold hands and go to heaven, this ain't the church for you. Amen. There's going to be some demolition. There's going to be some reproving and some rebuking and some repentance. But the byproduct of all that is restoration. Amen. Brother Seth, do you ever think you'd be where you are two years ago? You know what happened? You come in here and went through a demolition process. And the end result of that is restoration. What more proof do we need, folks? Look around. What more proof do we need to say that God is in the